2: Yeah, it's a chance for technology companies to really prove out their ROI. You know, a lot of companies promise with with X, Y, Z PMS, you no longer need three employees to do the same job. Yeah. Um, and with the headcount reduced across the board in hospitality, now's the time to prove that ROI. Um, yeah. And the the winners are going to come out stronger than ever. And Losers are going to go away. I mean, there's there mm-hmm. a ton of suppliers in, in the space. Um, some really good, some need some improvement. But mm-hmm. I think COVID is again like shrinking a, a company's lifespan if uh, if they're not doing good things. Um, and the, the strong will come out with, with more units or more sales or or more whatever their metric is um, in the long run.
0: Welcome to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, where we discuss all things hospitality, hotels and business. You can find us online at SlickTalkThePodcast.com and on every podcast listening platform. This podcast is brought to you by Hostfully. We make property management software and digital guidebooks that help vacation rental managers all over the world optimize and scale operations. We are grateful to be joining Will Slickers and the Slick Podcast listeners to provide value to you, the vacation rental professional. At Hostfully, we're data geeks, and we love partnering with other companies in the vacation rental space to bring the most insightful content analysis, and market reports. You can even see specific market reports about what amenities are important and how demand looks in your region. We also love to share best practices. To learn more about what you can do to improve your vacation rental business, visit our industry-leading blog at www.hostfully.com. There, you'll find resources that will help you understand how to take advantage of multi-channel distribution, dynamic pricing, automation, and more. Along with Will Slickers, we hope you consider us as your helpful guide in building your vacation rental business. Learn more at hostfully.com. That's H-O-S-T-F-U-L-L-Y.com. He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now.
1: All right, everybody, welcome back to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and uh, a lot of guests coming on the show that, you know, we've kind of interacted via LinkedIn or social medias and then maybe crossed paths in London or should have crossed paths in London in this case. Uh, I'm honored to say that uh, for the second time, we're featuring Noiseware on the show, and today I get to introduce everybody uh, to Michael Golden, who is the Uh, Director of Business Development, Michael. Welcome to the show, my man. How you doing? Where you be? Uh, Give us all the deets.
2: Doing good, man. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm bummed that missed you in London this year, but uh, coronavirus and international borders became uh, quite difficult to navigate. So I'm sure, uh, sure the in person will pass. uh, Our paths will cross soon, but yeah, just hunkered down here uh, at home haven't really left uh, my town since March. Uh, My wife and I were in Portugal when the whole thing came down and we had just landed. Uh, And then that night I had about 15 calls and text messages (laughs) that says, you need to book a flight home. So, you know, that's the first thing you want to hear when you land and you're jet lagged. But we turned around two days later and came home.
1: So I'm guessing you have to do all the activities, right? You, you just got them all done in that two days?
2: Yeah, just <laughs> ways through Portugal, saw everything we needed to see. And, you know, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah uh, you
1: what you could have done in a week, you got done in two days.
2: Well, we had a, we had a wonderful host, Fernando, uh, in Porto. So shout out to him. But um, he was able to, to make sure we maximized our, our 48 hours on the ground.
1: <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad you guys made it back safe. Glad you guys are still safe. Um, a cool thing uh, for a lot of the listeners. Uh, I'll put in a little clip of the beginning of the first episode we had with Noise Aware, but um, it was cool because that was the first time we got to get really creative with uh, an ad on the show. We did that little U version of uh, of the TV show from Netflix. So that was kind of fun. Glad that we got to do that. They got a lot of good. Uh, good comments. Uh, A lot of people were saying it was really creative, so shout out to your marketing team for that too. They're awesome. And uh, yeah, so let's go ahead and kind of dive into the episode on who you are, like what is your background prior to getting with Noise Aware and the vacation rental industry, and then of course, again, what you really do and what Noise Aware is.
2: Yeah, Um, so when I graduated at the height of uh, the... I guess depression. I don't know what they're calling it, but uh, I jumped into door-to-door sales because I thought uh, if I could sell door-to-door, then I could go and sell anything in my future. and A lot of people like that on, on resumes. So did that for about two years, and it was a grind. Uh, door-to-door sales in Atlanta is hot, uh, especially when you have to wear a suit. Yeah, true. Yeah. It, it taught me a lot of lessons and, you know, as a result of it, I I'm happy and comfortable with literally talking to anybody in the world about anything. Um, and that was certainly a, a skill that I was able to hone in doing door to door sales. From there, I, uh, tried my hand at professional volleyball over in Europe. And, and I all right. in, uh, yeah, I was in Italy and Croatia, Slovenia, I shortly landed with a team in Poland. Turns out I'm not 6'10", and I moved down to a team with Hungary. Didn't grow any. <laughs> uh, and uh, the rest is history. It's a short-lived career. It was, about, it was a lot of fun. Got to meet a ton of really cool people, see a lot of parts of the world that uh, a lot of us Americans don't, don't get out too much. Yeah. Um, but I absolutely loved it. Uh, Poland's an amazing place. Hungary was, was a lot of fun. Um, Sounds okay, incredible. I think I, wanna, I
1: think I want to. I think I want to shift careers now. But I'm not six ten either. So <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, you'll find out like I did. <laughs> yeah, it was in 2012, right after the Olympics, and and one of my first matches over there, uh, we were playing against the Champions League team in Slovenia, it was out of Maribor, and these guys had literally two weeks prior they were playing in the Olympics and here I am playing against these guys. Like, yeah, I I don't belong here. (laughs) These guys are out of my league.
1: That's incredible though. That's uh, like, I don't think I've ever heard any kind of background story involving professional volleyball and then getting into what we're at in the industry of, you know, hospitality and
2: and vacation rentals is pretty pretty unique super niche but while i was in europe i was doing this little website uh it's no longer up but it was called five city spots and the idea was to bring in like the opposite of yelp where there's a thousand different places to choose from it was a, a site that ranked the top five and you have enough choice with five but it's also like it's the good choices um and crowdsourced and all that. Um, so I, I built that with a buddy of mine who's actually I studied abroad with in Germany. He's still over there. Um, and that was kind of my side project when I wasn't playing volleyball. So when I got home, my roommate back in Atlanta uh, was at MIT getting his MBA and saw this job posting from Vacation Futures, which became rented.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, or rented ink now, and they uh, I reached out to Andrew and Mickey, and uh, um, you know, what they were working on sounded like a lot of fun, so that's that's how I ended up in the travel space. Uh, and, and now that I'm in it, I don't think I'm ever going to be leaving it. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you're
1: anyway,
2: <laughs> <laughs> ready, it. We'll
1: just have you on the show every every week now. You're just part of the podcast. You're going to be part of the industry forever. I love it. Yeah. Well, I was going to yeah. say, Andrew's a great guy. Uh, rented Inc. now, like you said. Um, great company. Uh, were you a revenue manager or were you doing marketing, business development like you're doing now? What were you? Yeah, uh, so it was,
2: it was pre-revenue management for them. Um, it started out as an online marketplace that connected homeowners and property managers. Yeah. Kind of... Uh, bid for the right to manage our home. Uh, It evolved into us doing a bunch of master leasing Mm -hmm. of units all over the U.S. and in some parts across the world. And what I found out when I was selling, particularly into multifamily developers, and even with single owners, they they only care about two things. How much money are you going to make? And how is the home going to be taken care of? Yeah. And then on the multifamily side, it was two things. Who's coming into my building and are they going to disturb my community? Mm-hmm. And so I started leading my pitch, particularly with multifamily folks, um, with noise aware saying that all of our partners used noise aware and that broke down so many barriers so quickly that, uh, after a while, I ended up calling David and Andrew at Noiseware and said, hey, I'm going to come work for you guys. <laughs> and you know, I was, I was tired of sending a bunch of leads over to them. I, I just wanted yeah. to, to do it direct. So that's how I ended up at Noiseware. Um, since then, I've been focused on our strategic partnerships. Uh, last year, we had uh, some success on, on that front. And then uh, our international expansion, which is right around the corner for us.
1: Awesome. So you were pitching noise aware before working for them. And, uh, and that ended up, okay, that makes sense. I, I like yeah, that. They, there wasn't
2: much of a ramp for me. I, my yeah. learning curve was, was uh,
1: you already knew okay. the whole product. You're like, look, I already know your guys' business better than you technically. <laughs> uh, so I'm just going to hop on over.
2: Not technically, <laughs> certainly not yeah. a, uh, uh, a technical dev side, but yeah, I, I certainly knew all the talking points and what was important to to what type of uh, property, whether it was a single owner or uh, a large multifamily block. Yeah.
1: So Andrew and Dave, if you're listening, he you didn't. We're not. We're not talking any smack right now. I Promise. Like, yeah, we're we're good. Um, so for, I just want to maybe do like a quick recap for the listeners that maybe didn't hear the vacation rental mastermind series that we did with you guys as one of the uh, top episodes. Um, what is NoiseAware exactly? And again, um, it's kind of in the name, you know, NoiseAware, but um, it has a really, I think, unique fit into what we do in the industry. And so kind of just giving that broad and then we'll go into the rest of the episode.
2: Yeah, so NoiseAware is the only privacy safe noise monitoring tool that you can monitor noise inside and outside of your home. And what we do is look at noise levels, not instantaneous, not slammed doors, but rather over periods of time, it would indicate property misuse or something that's gonna be disturbing to to neighbors. And when that threshold has been exceeded, then we're gonna let the property owner or the property manager know so they can handle it. And we also have the ability, we have our own call center. So when it's nights and weekends and these professional managers want to get some sleep and you know, don't want to have to answer the phone at 2 a.m. Or, and call the guests, uh, we can handle that for them too. So it kind of uh, makes you aware of what's going on and, and we also are, are there to, to, we're designed to stop it entirely from the start to the end.
1: Yeah, so you're kind of that um, second gate like mediator when it comes with property management and then of course the guests when it gets a little rowdy at the
2: property. Yeah, noise has always been a he-said-she-said said thing. Uh, yeah. Until Noiseware came along, no one was bringing data to the obvious, right? Yeah. Um, you know, if you think about a multifamily environment, you can hear noise, but you can't always say for sure it's the people above me or it's definitely the people beside me. It could be across the hall. You, you just don't yeah. really know. Um, and there's a lot of NIMBYs. Not in my backyard folks that uh, are against short term rentals and doesn't matter if there's actually noise or not. I, I had one customer call me uh, actually last week and say it's, it's odd. The past three weeks I've gotten a call at 1150 every single Friday night um, no matter what 1150 same time same thing and she's looked at noise aware data and there hasn't been any disturbances. So there's people out there that will just try and blame things on you that uh, aren't your doing or, or haven't actually happened. Um, we've actually seen this play out in, in Florida with one of our customers where the neighbor got fined because they were using so many city resources on trying to complain. Uh, but the homeowner provided the noise word data and, and the, the cops wrote the, the neighbor the ticket. <laughs>
1: hey, that's a, that's a good defense. I like that. Um, I I was also going to say you said a key word, though, uh, threshold. And so um, I think for a lot of the listeners, it's really important to understand that the threshold is something that you set. So it's um, kind of like uh, saying, you know, quiet hours are from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. And when that noise level, decibel level, so to speak, actually not so to speak, exactly, um, crosses that threshold that you set, then it goes off but if it doesn't meet that threshold in that time frame you're normally pretty okay
2: exactly so we we have we've done i think eight or nine hundred thousand reservations at this point so we've got it pretty dialed in in the onboarding we ask you a few questions about your home the size of the property is it noise sensitive is this a multifamily? is this single family and we've got it dialed in pretty well but you, you never know in a multifamily environment or or not how thick the walls are or how yeah. sound insulated it is. So of course we give you the option to go in and adjust it. And some properties quiet hours might start at eight. Some might be nine or 10. Um, but all of this is is adjustable. Awesome.
1: So that's, that's really, I think it's really important. And one thing we really see with a lot of guests on the show and just in the industry as well, um, being able to customize certain features is really, um, really a, I just say unique and needed tool because a lot of like making my business conform to a, a operation standard that we normally don't operate at and we operate it this way, but we just need one little tweak. Right. And uh, we can't make that tweak. Then it kind of like ruins that operation experience. So it's really nice to be able to, to adjust stuff to your, to your flow.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and these are all learnings that you know, we've been around for, for five years now and everything that we've rolled out has been, direct feedback from our, our customers so you know a long time ago we didn't have breakdown by hours and cleaners would come in and they everybody get an alert every day at noon or 12 one, 1 o'clock whatever um, so we built that feature um, a lot of people were getting our alerts at midnight 1 2 a.m uh, and they had hot phones with their employees and they were passing this around so like one weekend will's got it the next weekend I've got it Revenue alerts come through. I need mean, to to handle it. Um, so we built the response center. Our our night agent team, who will contact the guests on your behalf, so you don't have to wake up. So no one's playing the hot phone. Employees love it because they don't have to to be yeah. on call. Uh, you know, they're not doctors. They're not you know emergency people. Right? It's just not their job. So we we started handling that. And so we, we try to look at deep dives on our customers and really build our product and, and the future of our product around what we're hearing.
1: Awesome. Well, I want to get into, from your perspective, at your time with NoiseAware, what's the biggest impact that you've seen NoiseAware make in the industry of vacation rentals and hospitality as a whole?
2: Yeah, so standards are, are really tough. For the short-term rental space in particular, but hotels are still have troubles with standards uh, from you know, one Hyatt to the next or one Hilton or Holiday Inn to the next. Um, they, they exist because that's what the customers want and what they need. Uh, but I think the, the biggest impact that Noisware has is it's an altruistic product. Everybody that touches it, it, it does good for it. The homeowner their home is now more protected uh, through a relationship we have with proper insurance uh, we've seen a reduction in damage claims by 30 percent for mm. people homeowners that use our products noise is a leading indicator of damage yeah yeah the neighbors in the community love it and need it because they're the ones that, that often can suffer as a result of these house parties or just a, a group of friends that are too loud. It doesn't have to be a house party. Mm-hmm. And then the government wins because the neighbors are now not complaining. They're not upset. They're not using their resources to go issue noise fines. Uh, it's self-policing. And then eventually the guests are winning because the bad actors are are being stopped, and the reputation of short-term rentals gets better, which means guest experience can get better. Uh, these properties will remain available in the future and not be pulled off uh, the market by some OTAs. So, they, uh, it, it really touches everybody uh, within the, the value chain.
1: I yeah, I think that's a really big, um, a really big key factor that you're talking about with self-policing, and it's a big part of what we're we're talking about all over from being with you or with Chris from IPRAC or anybody like in the industry that we talk to is really seeing the rising standards of, of the industry and coming into the point of not only is the standards for property managers or owners rising, but really the guess itself, like what policy or not what policy, but what behavior are we accepting to be done at the property level um, when it comes to, of course, human humanization and interaction. And of course, respect for somebody else's asset. Right and so yeah. I think that's a uh, yeah
2: I, and I've been in the industry a while now relative to how old the industry is um, but I've seen these iterations where when I joined instant booking wasn't a thing there, mm-hmm. none of the platforms were, were pushing or, or doing instant booking and now you have to be instant booking uh, dynamic pricing didn't even exist and now it's pretty standard. It's almost standard practice across all professionals and is becoming well adopted with even single hosts. Mm -hmm. And then there's automated locks. Um, I don't know how, how much you travel and when you travel, is it all in rentals, but it's, it is, uh, still an issue for a lot of properties that it's not an easy way to get into the unit. So I think automated locks are, are doing big things right now and, and are helping the, the standardization. And then noise, what we're doing is going to be standard in the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, the adoption is has been pretty vast as of late in particular. Yeah. Um, and I, I think as, a, as an industry across the board, we're kind of at a, a tipping point for a lot of these things like locks, like noise aware, that are, are just gonna be standard kit uh, almost required to have to, to do a good job of managing.
1: Yeah. I think everyone that is now um, either a single property manager that just puts on Airbnb or Verbo or whatever, um, they're going to have to transition to like the more professional setting when it comes to like people like our company or uh, Saunders or, you know, whatever, like it's going to become, well there's one property on one listing site versus one property management company with multiple hundreds and properties is going to have to standardize across the board. But I like one thing that you said specifically before we even started recording. Um, This was on our pre-chat earlier this week. No, this is good. This is all good. Um, You said, um, until we solve noise, there's always going to be an issue, right? There, you know, there's um, noise is the problem until we solve it. We're going to have other problems. Like you said, with um, garbage and damage and all these other things that uh, we're seeing be be issues um, the reason why it's an issue is because we're not solving the noise issue when once we solve the noise issue and are able to flatline that and level that out into a perspective of um, not allowing crazy parties to happen and all this other stuff then everything else will kind of fall along once that is solved and I, yes. I think that's a go ahead yeah
2: yeah, cities care about two things. One, are they making money off of it? And two, uh, is are my constituents happy with this or not? And I I think for the majority of the industry, people are paying their taxes. Um, I think that again, when I started, that was certainly not the case in this industry. I think we've evolved as a as a whole to accept that and, and pay taxes. Um and then it's what, it, what are neighbors, what are constituents saying and dealing with? And, and to your point, noise is number one, parking is number two, trash is number three. Mm-hmm. And when you solve noise, then the amount of cars at a party aren't going to show up and the amount of trash they're producing isn't going to be as high. Um, now, of course, you could have a 10-bedroom house and 10 single cars drive in and uh, that's just about setting expectations in your listing. Yeah. But the root of the majority of the issues that the neighbors and communities have is around uh, can be solved with homes.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. And I think that's really, uh, really important to understand because even for us, we have managed, you know, we manage big group homes, like 25 people or more. Um, but still respecting your neighbors. We're on a little bit of land. So thankfully, we don't have people right next door, but um, it's still understanding that people live here, their kids go to school Well, used to pre COVID, you know, get <laughs> on the bus and, you know, like go to school and come home and they do yard work and they're, you know, having their own friends and family over and all these other things. So just respecting that sense of the community um, is huge. Is really huge. And I was going to ask you going into COVID-19 kind of shift, uh, Where are you guys seeing in the lights of COVID-19 when it comes to, you know, the impact on the vacation rental industry and short-term rentals as a whole? Is that something that you guys are seeing? Because we've talked about pivotal, you know, points in the industry, right? Everyone's going to have to rise to the standard. Is that what you guys are seeing on your end with your customers and with data that you're collecting with noise
2: Yeah, so it was a a little touch and go there at the beginning of COVID, right? No one's traveling. All everyone's units, everywhere globally is empty. Um, Refunds are being issued. It was just messy. Um, And kind of once the dust settled there a little bit, people still wanted to get together with their friends and family. They still wanted to gather in in small groups to, to begin. And what we were seeing is... Like over Memorial Day weekend, that's when a lot of stuff in the states shifted from closed to semi-open or, or the reopening process began. And we saw about a 120% spike weekend over weekend. Um, and we're looking at aggregate uh, U.S. data, but Florida, for example, had already been open. Mm. What's happened since then, uh, the, the whole COVID house party trend or, or thing that the media's kind of grabbed a hold of, it's very true. Uh, we, we can see it in our data, uh, July year over year for us, there's been a 47% increase in noise events and that doesn't even, uh, take into account occupancy. So in areas that, that occupancy has declined, uh, that 47% is, is a probably a light number than, than the actual reality. Um, we've heard some crazy stories from uh, NFL players getting together with teammates and, and girlfriends and wives and all that and throwing massive parties uh, to a pop up strip club. Yes. It, uh, I was, I was no. going to
1: ask you about that one because um, for a lot of <laughs> listeners, I'll link in the show, the article uh, that talks about, you know, um, the rise in, in risk and booking behavior. But uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about that pop-up strip club for a little second. I think that is a great example of what <laughs> Noise Aware really is there for. Um, obviously, there's smaller things, um, you know, a couple teenagers trying to book when they can't and get away with you know passing a fake id and having a little you know 19 year old party when it comes to underage drinking or smoking or whatever but uh yeah. i think this one is like a great example of
2: yeah i mean even still it's it's august and most bars and nightclubs and, and other types of entertainment are, are shut down and or or heavily heavily limited restricted but these people don't have income coming in and, and they, they want to work. Um, and so uh, I got a call from a, a customer that said, Hey, we, uh, we use noise this weekend to stop a, a pop-up strip club that the strip club owner, I guess, had rented out one of their houses, called in the regulars and, and some of the entertainment and we were able to stop it before it got uh messy or out of hand. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, these these kind of things aren't going to slow down the rest of this year for sure. Um, Halloween, New Year's, Labor Day, students aren't going to be going back to universities in in large part, Mm -hmm. but they don't want to spend a year at home with their family. They they want to get out. They want to see their friends. They want to socialize. They want to get out of their their city or their town. And the only place they can do it is short-term rentals. Mm -hmm. hotels are still closed bars again bars restaurants nightclubs these are all still closed Um, so you have to protect against it and and we've seen the past two months we've had record levels of adoption of noise wear uh, across the the country um, from all types of properties all types of people so it's accelerating a, a trend that was already happening but it's good to see people are looking for solutions and and not yeah. just gonna let the problem perpetuate.
1: Exactly, it's kind of cutting up cutting off the head of the problem and the issue. And I think that um, it's not even just like the crazy pop up strip clubs. It's you know the business people that miss their coworkers and they don't get to travel because obviously, like you said, they are always in hotels and they don't have that opportunity to now travel with their coworkers and have that interaction and they're stuck with their not like stuck with their families but they're with their families a lot more um like yeah. you said college students uh same thing being kind of independent for a little bit and then going back to mom and dad's rules and and all that stuff it's mm-hmm. uh it's not easy All well, been there done
2: that yeah can yeah. you imagine doing it for more than just a summer though like
1: yeah exactly so bad for these so, kids <laughs> yeah, I know. um so with that i think it's pretty it's a pretty i eye-opening and in in the sense of you know that the industry as a whole though is not allowing this we kind of are putting our foot down with that type of behavior um, that type of misuse of the services that we provide you know a lot of managers um, kind of going back to the point that you uh, said with the neighbors really not liking some of their other you know surrounding properties uh, to be used for vacation rentals Um, With the Destination Air Awards that you guys were a part of, um, when we were going through each nominee, we have to look at reviews, right? So we're looking at reviews on Google and Facebook and Instagram and, or not Instagram, but, you know, other listing sites like Airbnb and Verbo, of course, our website as well. But one thing I noticed when going through a couple of these property managers and companies that have these properties, um, I found reviews that saying the neighbors don't want you here, don't book. And like, it wasn't even had, had nothing to do with, um, with an experience that they had on the property. They just know that they're a short-term rental and they didn't want that, you know, that experience. And I think when you present, when, when you, I'm trying to word this articulately, but when you present a solution to a problem, instead of saying, well, the problem is what it is, it's nothing we can do. kind of when it it comes to the guest experience when you have a guest that's upset about something saying sorry this against our policies or it's just i don't know what to do for you um obviously you're not going to get a good response back and you're probably yeah and you're not going to get that guest back uh it's kind of the same thing with neighbors and relationships we want to protect our reputation as a whole but individually you want to have continuous problems no so being able to say, instead of going, you know, sorry, nothing I can do for you. Uh, I'm not going to look after my asset, let alone your asset right next door. Um, presenting a solution and saying, look, we are thinking about you in our business plan. We are thinking yeah. about, like, we're being strategic. We're being, you know, uh, what's the word? Um, it's intentional. We're being intentional with how we operate and how we kind of are perceived as a whole.
2: Yeah. And that's a really good point. We've actually had customers, new customers call us and say, would you mind calling my next door neighbor and tell them why, like the products that you were, or you just sold me to explain basically that this problem is something I'm addressing and I'm trying to solve. And, and yeah. we don't, we don't want them to deal with issues. We don't want neighbors to deal with the issues. We don't want homeowners to deal with issues. Um, you know, I wouldn't want my next door neighbor to have to deal with that crap, Um, but that's why we exist. I mean, uh, I didn't get into the founding story and and I think Madison probably covered it on our our first uh, webinar with you, but Dave was renting out some apartments in Dallas and two girls on a quiet study weekend before finals promised uh, just to be studying the two of them. And we call it mini Coachella. Because apparently, <laughs> the second they got in, it didn't stop until Sunday. Like, wow. just nonstop, lots of people. And David lived two miles away, and he didn't even know that this was going on. Like, had he known, he could have gone over there Friday night and stopped yeah. it. And, and what we see a lot of times is, as soon as, like, if, if you're the guest and you set off the noise wear at my house... I'm going to reach out to you and I'm going to ask you to to quiet down. And it's usually the first night of the stay. People are the most rowdy. And if you curb that, um, on the first night, there's no issues the rest of the stay. Mm -hmm. Um, so if they get away with it the first night, they're probably going to do it again the second night and probably the third night. And they might not be staying longer than three nights. And bam, you just had three days in a row that it was hell for the neighbors next door. Um, so, no, I, uh,
1: I was going to say for, because you also said earlier, um, kind of the, in the sense of the industry is not new when it comes to the short-term rentals, um, but I would say we're in a new age of this part of the industry, right? There's so much coming out, and I think we've all, we'd have to be blind in order not to see that with COVID-19. Uh, we are seeing a huge, huge shift in the industry. Um, we are like, it's just been said multiple times on this episode and many other episodes before and other articles and you you name it, it's been said. Um, but we're seeing a lot of people either step up their game with implementing new software and tech and other integrations and tools and resources in order to really come out on top we want to all of us in hospitality want to see restaurants thrive we want to see the local businesses still be open and the little coffee shops and the hotels and the vacation rentals whatever we're all um wanting to come out on the other side of this uh even you know 10 times better so with i was gonna say with you saying you know that we're in a new age of it um the growth being so quick and new uh when it comes to regulations and the future of short-term rentals uh, you know, short, mid and long-term. Uh, what do you see uh, being the future direction the industry is going and how long, what do you, what do you think with with all the stuff that you guys get to see with noise aware?
2: Yeah, that's a, a pretty tough and broad question, but you're, you're spot on. I mean, COVID is certainly going to accelerate a lot of the changes that, that have happened or were going to happen anyway, just yeah. shrunk them into crazy, crazy tight windows. Yeah. And We've had, we have a lot of customers of ours that stand up in City Hall and tell, like preach to the choir, we use noise where this whole noise thing, if everyone would just adopt it, we can solve this. And if that's the biggest reason why we can't be have rentals be legal in our city or in our town, let's change it. Um, and that, I think, combined with a lot of these cities and states are going to be struggling with tax revenue mm-hmm. and with, yeah. fewer, with less tourism, they might consider opening up short-term rentals if they previously banned it or make it more adopted uh, across the board. But you know, I, I know you know uh, our founder, David, really well. He, he loves to use this example of yeah. the, the first automobiles when they rolled out into cities People were getting in accidents, death rates were crazy high, no seat belts, no stop signs, no lanes, like just hitting people left and right. And then they adopted the seatbelt and the traffic light and the sides of the roads that you drive on. And they started to, to see, I mean, I can't imagine the world without an automobile now. Yeah. Uh, I, I've ridden horses before and they're not very comfortable. They don't have air conditioning. <laughs> uh, <it's laughs> or or Bluetooth. <laughs> yeah. Um, but rentals is kind of in that same phase, uh, mass adoption has happened and we just need some bumpers. Uh, we just need some guardrails to, to keep us on path. And there's some, some companies doing some really cool things out there that help with that, like making sure taxes are collected, uh, and then things that, that address, um, parties and other issues that uh, cities and states have um, need to be addressed. And I think all that's going to be accelerated as we get out of COVID and cities and states are looking for more revenue, ancillary revenue streams and and rentals is a a great area. Yeah,
1: no, that's very true. Um, I'll use an example. One of the first hotels I worked at had a TPA tax, which was a tourist protection act. Uh, tax that the city passes two bucks a reservation per night so you think about two bucks is nothing really um it's annoying as a guest you have to pay two bucks that you didn't need to pay but when you're yeah yeah, but when you're there for like a week two bucks a night you know that's seven seven nights you know that's that's a good chunk that's going to the city and then you multiply that by hundreds if not thousands of reservations um that's a lot of money going into the city that's no longer now coming in with the hotels that are not able to open um, just because there's so many common spaces right now you have the lobby and elevator and a gym and you name it banquet and event spaces that just can't be used. It's, it's not smart obviously um, whether you are immune comp- compromised or not, like it's, you know, for the overall safety of all the guests. Uh, but vacation rentals have that you know upper advantage in a sense. And I'm for all listeners, I'm not, hotel side or vacation rental side, I'm all hospitality, but I think with the upper hand that short-term rentals have, you know, you eliminate that risk. Um, and then with, just like you said, the the revenue that's gonna have to go into the city that they're missing
2: now. Yeah. It's
1: gonna, gonna have to come in from that.
2: And, and to your neutrality point on on uh, hotels or vacation rentals, I think over the past few years, those sectors have learned a lot from the other. Yes. Um, I think a lot of the the brands like your Saunders of the world have learned how to make standards like hotels do. And hotels have learned, I mean, look at what Marriott's doing. They know that the vacation rental plays an important role in certain types of travel. Maybe if it's just you traveling by yourself for business for one or two nights, you prefer a hotel. I, I usually do if it's just me and it's just one night or two nights uh if i'm anywhere longer than a few nights or there's anyone more than just myself i prefer to be in a rental yeah um so there one is not gobbling up the other Uh, both live and can live harmoniously like marriott is is proving out right now
1: yeah agreed and i think like and to, to go on to that point as well we we see um we see it in hotels a lot too, like when my front desk staff, whenever I was training them or you know, preparing schedules, and they would come talk to me about whether it was an issue with their shift or just an overall like overview of the day. They said, we have this many check-ins today. We have 70 check-ins. And you have to switch that thinking because a lot of people you know, are thinking of numbers and they don't think of the actual person behind it. So it's like, we don't have 70 check-ins. We have 70 people checking in. Today, yeah, we have seventy guests, and I think that's one thing I've also seen with, um, with vacation rentals is that, uh, you'll see in like these Facebook groups and whatever that they're saying well, the the guests are doing this or the, uh, you know, we talk about occupancy a lot and revpar and, um, occupancy and revpar are very different in a hotel standards versus a property. You are a hundred percent occupied if you have one guest. Um, yeah not out of the month, but you're 100% occupied versus a hotel has 20 guests and um, they are 20% occupied out of the X amount of rooms, right? So I think it's it's a big shift and we can all learn different things from each side. Uh, We're seeing hotels, sorry, I just went on a rabbit hole, but I was just saying we're seeing hotels now, you know, adopt uh, short-term rental stuff like uh, smart locks and um stuff like Operto's uh, thermostats and all these other things um but what i was gonna say is uh i'm having a brain fart no
2: well i i can pick up there like the the rental space we we weren't using dynamic pricing and, and yeah that was a massive thing for hotels um and, and airlines right airlines are the kings yeah. of it and just by implementing dynamic pricing, you see revenues year over year up 20 or 30%. It's it's a crazy amount. Um, So there's continuous learnings back and forth um, Mm -hmm. and how hotels go human light, right? For automated check-ins and uh, guest complaints and uh, locks and all these things like, the the worst part of the hotel experience to me is waiting in line yeah. to get my key. And then I go to my room and the key doesn't work. Yeah. Like I just traveled, who you know, two, 10, 20 hours and now I have to lug my stuff back down to, to grab another key. You already know what room I'm gonna stay in. Just send me a text and give me the key code and, and I'll walk in. Like yeah, these things will become the the norm and the standard. Um and they'll learn what's successful and what products work in short-term rentals and apply those to hotels.
1: Yeah. Uh, and I was going to, uh, back to my brain fart that it goes into this as well. Um, you know Pre-COVID, I think we were looking at a longer time frame of all this stuff changing in the industry of short-term rentals and hotels. Like, sure. let's be honest, hospitality as a whole, I think was, it was growing and shifting, but it wasn't growing and shifting as fast as it has in the last five to six months. So it was we're looking too good
2: at, to need to change. Like, yeah business was too good to say, I'm going to throw a big disruption in it and let's change this procedure. Right?
1: Agreed. Yeah. We're looking at, you know, three to five years of changes that were going to happen crunched down into one to two years. Um, and actually a lot in the last six months. And so, um, I think that's like you said, the regulations in the future of the STR world and vacations and hospitality. Um, there's going to be a lot uh, to come, and the one thing that I think with um, another guest said, and we mentioned it before, Chris from IPRAC, as long as we don't go back, right? As long as we make these changes and we, yeah. um, you know, we create this standard. Sometimes mm-hmm. when you d- get mundane in your tasks and your day-to-day like operations, um, we get lax, we get a little, you know, loose and uh, forgetful, or kind of not on our toes. And as long as we don't go back and let these standards decrease, I think we're going to be looking at some pretty incredible things to come, especially with regulations and everyone adopting stuff like noise aware and all these other things that go on.
2: Yeah. It's a chance for technology companies to really prove out their ROI. You know, a lot of companies promise with, with X, Y, Z, PMS, you no longer need three employees to do the same job. Yeah. Um, and with the headcount reduced across the board in hospitality, now's the time to prove that ROI. Um, yeah. And the, the winners are going to come out stronger than ever, and the losers are going to go away. I mean, there's a mm-hmm. ton of suppliers in, in the space. Um, some really good, some need some improvement, but mm-hmm. I think COVID is, again, like shrinking a... a company's lifespan if uh if they're not doing good things um and the the strong will come out with with more units or more sales or or more whatever their metric is um in the long run
1: yeah and we were actually talking about this with um with michael from operto really about i think it's really going to open up the door to a new age of hoteliers or vacation rental managers you know the younger generation of people that weren't in hospitality with the adoption of tech and solutions like noise aware and all these other things is really going to increase that drive of hey you still can be creative and unique and and grow in a career that is fulfilling um, without having to feel squished yeah it's, there's going to be regulations and stuff but that doesn't mean you can't grow and still be a disruptor or a rising star in the industry, um, which we're seeing, I think, a lot.
2: Yeah, and to that point, I think the, the age of hospitality is going to blend. Um, yeah. I went to Auburn. Auburn's got uh, a hospitality program, and they're building a brand new building just to house it. It's going to be like 40 hotel units, but it's also going to be six condos. Okay. Uh, and they're going to manage those like short-term rentals. Wow. And we're, Noiseware is working with a few hospitality schools in Europe to start standardizing, um, basically teaching students how to use different products from short-term rentals and apply those into either short-term rentals in their future or into hotels. And it's a practice that you know, medical device companies, pharmaceutical companies employ by teaching and, and training future doctors how to use their products. Mm. Um, but as these, these industries are, are meshing and blending, like even in the school level, before they come out, they're gonna be learning the best things from the hotel space, the best things from short-term and rentals. And, and maybe it's a condo hotel in, in um, Vegas or South Beach or something. And some student says, Hey, we used noise aware at, at our school. Um, we need to, to drop noise in here. Cause we get noise complaints, 10 of them every night. Like, we gotta, mm. we gotta stop this. So the the industry has grown up a lot. It's got a lot of growing up still to do, yeah. but all in all, I think COVID can help move that, that needle much, much faster.
1: For sure. And we always joke about. I think almost every other guest or so, we joke about. There's no hospitality or like vacation rental, short-term rental school that we all have gone to and graduated from. And now hearing that, there's probably going to be like in the future. There's, there's going to be. That's there's crazy. Be. Or the pioneers I'm, I'm, people. So if you're listening to this, we're we're pioneering the way for the future. For that. Yeah, I'm working
2: with the, uh, the head of the hospitality school to to try and come up with some short-term rental curriculums here at all. That's so.
1: That's amazing. That's pretty cool. Um, well, now I always like to give the audience you know, a chunk of content that they can take and apply immediately from listening. To, they can pull out their headphone and then go to their computer or to their business partners or to their owners or wherever and apply some, some kind of educational thing that they could take away from the podcast. Um, so for you, I have a question. And it is, what can professional managers do right now as they're listening, as they hear your voice and my voice talking back and forth, um, what can they do to protect their properties?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think um, specifically against parties, I presume is is the question. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's three main things. Bad behavior, you know, just stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. There's three well, four main things they need to do. One, don't drop your rates. Lowering the rates is going to attract a totally different type of crowd than, than you're used to normally welcoming. Um, two is don't accept one night bookings from people under 25 that live in your city mm-hmm. or any combination thereof of, of those, um, three points. Uh, those definitely are, are the most risky. Um, and make sure you have insurance, whether you're a, a single family home and, and use uh, proper insurance or something like that or you want to get one of these on-demand insurances like um safely or guard hog or something like that uh make sure you're covered um yeah i know airbnb has a, a payment or, or some sort of host guarantee uh i would i would rely on your own insurance um it, it's you're, you're gonna be safer and, and better covered that way and then lastly use noise aware i mean it it's the the impetus of this whole call but it's real and it stops a lot of issues before they get to be real issues um we hear about some of these things that flare up so quickly or maybe they're happening and then quiet hours hits and then they're able to stop it pretty quickly thereafter but i'm of all the parties we've stopped i'm really curious how some of them could have played out and it might have been ended up like a or or some other yeah. tragedy that's really happened. Yeah. Um, so those are, those are the four key takeaways I would say is hold your rates. Don't, don't drop them just to in a desperate mode. Um, don't take one night local bookings from young people, uh, use noise aware and make sure you have insurance. Awesome. No, I I think that's great, and I want to hit a
1: point on the first one: lowering your rates. Uh, I was listening to another podcast. That I was actually on, a, like, in the beginning of my podcasting career called Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast, and they had an episode called, uh, you know, it was about revenue management, revenue strategy, and one of the like number one points they said is uh, lowering your rates will increase demand, and then number two, lowering your rates and increasing your demand is not real. And there, just because you lower your rate doesn't mean you're going to increase your demand for your property. Uh, for one, if there's no demand, there's no demand. It doesn't matter how low your rates are. And then okay. if, two, when you do lower your rates to a ridiculous rate, uh, there will be a demand and it won't be worth the cost and the rate that you dropped it to because it's most likely going to be the guests that will damage and make more uh, out-of-pocket expenses for you than you would have yeah. if you just let the place sit vacant. So yep. I think it's a really... Yeah. A really big takeaway. Um, yeah, you can't, you can't make the man out of thin air. So, and if you do, it's going to be some sketchy, <laughs> sketchy demand. man. Uh, so yeah. that's, that's a great, great, uh, four points. I think everyone can apply. So uh, I will link this our article that you had featured in short term I think it's a great article. It goes into more depth of the, uh, you know, pop-up strip club. And then of course these points uh, that you're talking about, but overall just the, you know, the increase in risk uh, and and different guest and travel behavior, which is a really insightful article. So I think uh, any of the slick talkers out there, definitely check that out. I'll link all the stuff in the show notes, but um, in conclusion of the episode, I think we covered a lot. Um, definitely a topic that's super relevant into, you know, today's industry as a whole. Um, do you have any final thoughts, maybe a shameless shout out or um, you know, just anything that you'd like to say to kind of wrap up the episode?
2: Yeah, shameless shout-out to to Delta. I miss you. I will be back. I don't know when, but uh I I will get on Delta soon, I hope. Um, but yeah, it's been a pleasure, had a lot of fun, Will. Um I think we could probably talk all day if uh if either of us had the time for it. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Um, would love to be be back on sometime in the future and see how a lot of this stuff plays out. Um, uh, but yeah, we have some exciting stuff coming up the rest of this year that, uh, we'd love to get you involved in.
1: For sure. Yeah. All the slick talk listeners, slick talkers, whatever you want to call yourselves. Um, Noise Aware and myself have worked together on many things, so there's obviously going to be a follow-up to this episode. It just has to. We've covered so much, <laughs> uh, and it, it will be interesting to see, you know, what we've said here today and what will the outcome be from this conversation um, in the future. Six months, a year down the road, who knows what the industry will start to look like? And hopefully, it will look like how we've talked about with a rise in tide and and overall standardization and kind of a more. Um, innovative way to leverage our our unique industry already so
2: yeah yeah people like uh jeremy at breezeway and chris from iprac and, and us over here at noise Aware, i think the industry is going to be in in really good hands um with with standardizing and making these things available for folks
1: perfect well thank you michael for being on the show i appreciate uh, all your insights and the, just the overall value provided to the audience and to the industry. Uh, you guys are killing it at Noise Aware, so keep up the great work and just, okay. uh, yeah, looking forward to having you back on the show sometime. Thanks, Will. Just let me know. Happy to join. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much for listening. We love your support and want to provide the best we can to all our listeners. So please find us online, social media, and on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcast.
1: What's up, everybody? If you've gotten this far into the episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast, then you are amazing. And thank you so much for tuning in.